Welcome to Beyond the Beers, conversations with men that break the stereotype. I'm your host, Mike Campbell, and today I'm coming to you from Sydney's Coastal Walk on the South Head, and I'm going to have a conversation with Mr. Tom Stranger. Tom. Hey, Mike. Now, Tom has uh, recently co-authored a book uh, about a subject that's brought quite a bit of media attention. I think that's probably safe to say, Tom. Indeed. So, should we crack into today's chat? Sounds good. Very nice. I'm looking to kind of step out into the, the, the public realm, I guess. So I yes. did Google my name just yesterday. Nice. And the first... Don't worry, I've done it plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. The first article that came up is, is Tom Stranger is, I think, articulate, funny, attractive, and a rapist. Okay. But it's a it's yeah. a reality. It's one of the articles that got written. It was a it was it was a good article, along with a lot of the media that was that was put out around um, the book that I was involved in and the TED talk, yeah. which struck um, some very poor personal chords on mm. a very difficult issue. And um, so, and can you take us into the book there a little bit? Yeah, for Give sure. Us the, the basic premise, I suppose. Yeah, the book is is a. I guess a, a memoir. It's yep. a historical, honest, and very plainful and factual retelling of, of a 20 plus year history. Mm-hmm. And it begins with a time back in 1996 when I was 18 years old. I was an exchange student in Iceland. And um, I'll give you the abbreviated version, but I was attending a school. At this school, I met a, a girl called Thortis. And we had a very typical teenage romance. Um, it's kind of around November, December in 1996. Uh, we'd been together for about a month. There was, you know, a consenting, lovely, very typical teenage romance. We hung out, held hands. Um, this was about three, three months or so into my exchange. There was a school ball and the Christmas ball it was, was um, a big affair, all your finery and fancy clothes drinking with a friend, I met Thortis at the ball, um, and then very shortly after we arrived, uh, Thortis became really sick. She'd had quite a bit to drink and ended up in the, the girls' toilets. I'd been around a, a fair amount of binge drinking back home, so I took it upon myself to think uh, it's my job to take her home. So I did in a taxi, and then once at her home I, I made some some really dark choices that that caused an immeasurable amount of hurt and there was no consent Thortis wasn't able to give it because she was incapacitated Um, and there's no other word for it it was rape and this was uh, this was something that wasn't over quickly Mm -hmm. and the next day I I left that night and the next day I'd I didn't have this jarring realization of what I'd done. Fast forward about uh, nine years to right. 2005. Okay, so quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote me a letter, explained what she'd been through, explained what I subjected her to, and um, basically it began a process of me acknowledging and taking responsibility and and listening to Thortis and, and hearing her out and, and growing some understanding of, of what the ramifications of my choices were. Yeah. So I can only imagine that was a very confronting period for you. Yeah. How did you, 
how, how did you start to process that that email or the letter and then the emailing that that went after that yeah i mean it was it was irrefutable it was it was a case of me recognizing myself in the details uh, kind of shards of the memories of that night came back so there was no no denying from there on in there was no suppressing it and pushing it away um, some of it made sense I hadn't been in a particularly uh, good relationship with myself for that period um, yeah so it triggered it triggered a lot there was a long process mm. to to come to terms with the act yeah. um, the term rapist it was 100% only possible because I was talking to sort of this yeah. there became a real truth and a reality that I just had to find a place to sit this yep. to own it to absorb it and integrate it and if I was had to have any kind of chance to to be a balanced I don't know normal person I guess with a with a loving relationship with yourself yeah. I think you you need to be able to find a way to to understand the choices you've made yeah and to take responsibility for them. absolutely so, so it had been a, a fear while of communication up until this point long time so so what happened a, a meeting happened how did that come about thought it just suggested it yeah uh, and said look halfway in between Iceland and Sydney can we meet can we I guess talk face to face and can we get to a point where this is no longer defining our presence yeah and can we you know not be looking our shoulder over our shoulder and, and I guess cease the analysis because yeah. it had been a, a serious analysis and it was it was something that you know understandably um, neither of us had a vested interest in, in having it really dictate our, our futures yeah yeah so yeah it was it was a, a week-long meeting in Cape Town and I guess in short it was the most powerful shifting incredible week of my life I think it was um yeah. well in terms of effect in yeah. terms of um, being able to to voice things face to face to Thortis to to hear yep. as well and to um and to do some letting go yeah. I'm not severed from that night I'm not I haven't shoved it away and locked it away in a, in a black box it's there's still an attachment to it I guess it's just um, being disarmed I don't yeah. don't use it to to beat myself with anymore yeah and I recognize that this is something that um i best come to terms with and and you know and i guess the you can't detach yourself from your from your shadow it's yep. um it's stuck to you no, absolutely. so from 2013 there was a meeting and then in between now we have a book and a ted talk so yeah fill, fill that gap for us yeah so um in the powerful times of, of cape town and i think you know after learning so much and and uh, growing so much I think it's a natural human response to want to share you know hard lessons that are learnt and um, and that's when I suggested the thought is you know should we speak publicly about this this is an issue that is really prevalent this is going on behind a lot of closed doors in every country in the world yeah. so what was her response to that she was yeah I think uh, motivated uh, keen so what, what was the first public thing 
the TED Talk. Yep. yep. So the book was released then or not? It was released about a month afterwards. Yep. Yeah. So how did you find that period? Stepping onto a TED stage, TED Woman, I believe. Yeah. yeah was the name of the conference. Correct. How was that experience for you? I mean, this was a long build-up. This yeah. was a long preparation. This is the culmination of, of you know, a 16-year conversation. Um, it was nerve-wracking as hell, you know, but it was also an incredible opportunity to be offered a, a global platform, you know, at an amazing conference. Um, albeit the, the audience was primarily women, you know, there was men peppered in the room, but this was, you know, this was a room full of women listening to myself and thought this, but I was very aware of myself as a male perpetrator. I might have said a few things differently, but as a whole, I think it was it was um, it was important to to be honest, um, and I think you know it achieved a lot of the aims that it was set out to do, and it's been shared a, a lot of times, and I've um, I've been told that it's been shown in schools, okay. um, and that it's generated some really power, powerful conversations in people's relationships and homes. Okay, so you know, you write the book, you step onto stage and, and potentially many more things coming. So what was the purpose of that? What is the purpose of you guys stepping into the public forum with this conversation? Mm. I mean, I can only speak for, for myself. Yep. Um, it came from a, from a seemingly kind of natural place, a, a feeling of A, wanting to, to just put it out there in, in recognition that, that this is sexual violence is occurring in many people's lives and is a reality for so many and yet the taboo around it makes it incredibly difficult to discuss mm -hmm. and to put into context and to and to have a, a, a conversation that asks the really hard questions um, i am um, you know I, I like what you said at the start of the the discussion around beyond the beers challenges stereotypes and one of the things i think i wanted to do and and no, i absolutely want to do is challenge stereotypes yeah. There is a, a trope, an archetypal perpetrator. Yeah. That yeah. um, you know, that is this monster. Yeah. The label that come, or what comes with the label of rapist. Correct. Yeah. And I, you know, that that is fitting. Mm -hmm. I don't seek to change that word, but it, it can also be kind of dismissive and reductive, and it doesn't result in in growing a really constructive conversation around root causes, root causes and mm. proclivity and, and the fact that, that this is um, uh, an issue that is primarily perpetrated by men. You know, in Australia, nine out of 10 offenders are men. Um, but this is often discussed at, at women's conferences or, or mm. conferences that are mm. focused around issues pertaining to women. Mm. Um, so do you find yeah. then that's more in, in the, the sense of how do we look after victims as opposed to how do we prevent this happening with men? Yeah, I understand there is also a reaction and, and people might see an hypocrisy in me talking about this mm. and saying, you know, there is a problem here and men need to talk about this coming from a perpetrator. Mm. And yet, um, you know, not only was I part of the problem and, and want to be part of the solution, I think there is a, a real need for men to to weigh into this conversation and it's a bloody hard one and it's a mm. difficult one to find the language for and it's um and 
it's really hard to move into it without generalizing and yeah. giving broad brushstrokes. I'm part of a minority. Yeah. The reality is all men, the majority of men do not, you know, act coercively around sex or, or manipulative or, or abusive towards their intimate partners. Um, but it's, it is fact that, that the vast majority are, are men. Um, so I think, you know, the next step from that will, I think it's, it's, it's on us. It's up to us to, to then have this conversation. So then what is the conversation? There's people such as yourself who are perpetrators and, and coming from that angle. Mm -hmm. And then there's other men. Non-perpetrators. Right. Yeah. So, so, so is there a difference there? What stops, you know, people, men have been through your kind of experience talking mm. and what, what uh, prevents non-perpetrators talking about this? Well, this is where I um, this is where I get heart from. This is where I really hope the dots are joined and where the conversation goes. And mm -hmm. I guess that in asking why I wanted to have this conversation yeah. and hang my dirty laundry out in public Absolutely. was to to I guess broaden the conversation and to look at um, I guess the 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 notions of traditional masculinity that are that are getting thrown out, mm. that are getting challenged and changed nowadays. Yeah. There are some really incredible, exciting changes going on, new qualities of masculinity, new ways of being men that is, you know, that is drawing the old um, identity into question. Yeah, um, and you know, I... I Do I you see this being a big part of it? Well, I guess... The a part of the conversation that a lot of us aren't touching. There's that bit over there. We can talk about, you know, what it means to be a man and work with boys and stuff, but we'll just keep brushing that one to the side. Yeah, and I guess the, you know, the, the term toxic masculinity yeah. really alienates a lot of men from the mm. conversation. And I, I guess my stance is I'd, I would not call masculinity toxic in and of itself. It's more the, the rules and forecasts mm. of it and expectations of it yeah, yeah, that of I course. think can be, can be damaging yeah. for both men and for women. Mm. Um, well, they, we, the conditions and things we put on, right? It's part of the mask and the cloak of armour that we, we end up wearing and it, it causes all sorts of things internally as well as obviously externally. Yeah, and that's what I love where your conversation Beyond the Beers is about looking at that, I guess, self-rejection mm. and the, the performative nature of masculinity where we're, mm. we're doing the dance, you know, yeah. and we're policing. Performing as a man. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I mean... You know, it must be said, my ability to talk to this subject is only because of feminist theory, academia, literature, and, and I only have the instruments to have this conversation because it's been a long struggle to have this conversation. So these are certainly not ideas of my own also. Um, I think it has more of a potential to be magnetic and, and attractive and exciting because we do get to open up the boundaries and the you know, the, the walls that have been policed, I think, around yeah. masculinity. So we can open it up a little bit more and it, and it, and it provides uh, the capability for a broader conversation around manhood and then around specific elements, such as what we're talking about here. Exactly. So, and you know, you use that term toxic masculinity and, uh, you know, I suppose, what comes with that, with that term, the kind of, you know, things that pad around that term, I think is a lot of shaming. Right? And so, as you've said with you know, sexual violence, there can be heavy stats as male perpetrators. Right? And so, I think there's, a, there's an easy option, perhaps, 
which might not be that popular in me saying that, to shame men who have perpetrated or done something, you know, quote unquote wrong. I see that kind of concept as, as generated outside of, of the collective of, of men. Yep. So it's an external, I guess, um, construct. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think it would be, it would be much more beneficial if, if we came up with language you know, within within circles of men around how we address this without, you know, really looking at our subjectivity and our masculinity and, and looking at it through, you know, in a really dark way. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not going to attract anyone to no, the conversation. And again, I think when you bring anything in there that's shaming, it it adds to the problem before it adds to any solution. It just alienates. Yeah. Yeah. So so then, did have you experienced some personal shaming from? like externally and then what about your own internal shame when it comes to something like the label of rapist yeah i mean i you know this is elected this is chosen so to ask for some kind of sympathy for the the reception of this in the public conversation is you know it was some of it has been surprising but a lot of it hasn't been yep. well i think that the conversation now around shame is is also discussing the the antidote which is is vulnerability is mm. is is admitting your your errors or or what you struggle with yeah. or what you have difficulty emoting and dealing with and us blokes are not traditionally famous for having that emotional yeah. kind of literacy you know um, albeit that's changing as well um, so diving into this conversation is a big part of you you know, managing that, that side of you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a grounded place. Yeah. I, I'm grateful for having a chance to speak publicly about this. I've, I've received, you know, I don't deserve praise. I'm not, I'm not, it should be stated, I'm not profiting from my involvement in the book or the TED talk. Um, I think we should, we should be, you know, we have a collective encumbrance to look at because this is our fellow men who are perpetrating this. So instead of someone else, you know, ex from the exterior saying, you have a problem, it's all of you, you know, it should be generated from within, I think, and saying yeah. this, is, this is symptomatic of, of, a, of a construct that's, yeah. that's old hat and is failing us and Something is doing damage. much, much bigger. Yeah, but it's, it's deep-rooted, you know, it's, it's historical as hell. It's, yeah. And I think, you know, what you're touching on there is something that, that many people, many men, feel and and it may play out in many different ways right for you now you know you, you're clearly entering uh, a conversation that involves questioning masculinity mm. right something that i'm obviously into myself so okay what next where, where does this go in schools i would love to be talking with young men i would love to be sitting in circles discussing you know how do we how do we look at at this issue as sim the issue of 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 sexual violence and, mm. and discussing consent in a broader context of, of you know, an awareness of gender, an yeah. awareness of ourselves as, as young men. So do you, where do you see the conversation around consent at the moment? Mm. And, and I suppose more specifically with teenage boys. That was one of the hopes in, in speaking publicly was that, I mean, in, in my circumstance, thought this couldn't give consent yeah and now it's it's legislated that in the crimes act that if you cannot communicate consent then consent can't be established yeah. so it's you know it's a lot more um 
I think the awareness is growing around it. Yeah. Uh, and and you know and and how to have that conversation and the fact that it consent might be there at one point, but then it's not there five minutes later, so it has to be checked in with and reassessed. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about okay, let's have this conversation let's get into perhaps schools and have this conversation around consent because at the moment where does the awareness and the education around this come from the traditional sex ed like what is it i guess that's that's the only vehicle for it you know it's it's through peers but it's it's online as well and one could say through through pornography people are getting some kind of you know misconception about what consent is so and sex in general Correct. For Tom Stranger stepping really into this this uh, this field and this conversation, yeah. what does this look like down the line? Uh, What's the kind of I suppose this is a hard question, but ideal outcome? Where does it go? If there's a chance to speak in schools, great. There is a a producer I'm in a conversation with at the moment who's looking to have a to to design a film or a documentary around male sexuality, and there's a chance that I might have some involvement in that but and it it doesn't have to be on a broad scale it can be informally it can be you know with people on a bus with friends wherever you know as yeah. long as it is as the conversation is happening right and, and I, I i feel that you know myself this is something that i'm very passionate about in terms of changing the stereotype of what it means to be a man and there was a little throwaway comment almost you said before which was I have a very supportive wife, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I know you and I, and I know your wife, so obviously I know that that's the case, but I also know that you got married in and around when this was all kind of becoming public to some degree in the big scheme of things, so. Well, I think I had a, a number of short and unsuccessful relationships for years because yep. I was carrying this yep. dark secret. Yep. Um, so I met my wife about a month and a half, two months after, Cape Town, right. when I had a completely different relationship with myself, view on the world, I was, I was you know, 10 kilograms lighter and, and really open. She received this and she spoke about, you know, good to know kind of the good, bad and ugly of you. Yeah. She understood it as part of my past, but not as, as dictating the entirety of, of who I am and what our relationship would be. And safe to say, I, I would not be able to do this if it wasn't for having her in my life. I think yeah. she's been um, just a constant and, um, and looks at me as, as, I guess, the here and now Tom, while still understanding that I was once capable of doing something really hurtful. Yeah. But. You know, she's supportive. She she has my back, and and you know we enjoy simple good times together. We get get in the ocean, and we 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 we're grateful for the here and now. I guess. Very nice. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll cap the interview there. It's been amazing to to talk about this. You know, we know each other, and I've had a little bit of a concept of this conversation, but to get into it today was was amazing and. Uh, you know, I think it's incredibly brave for you to, to step forward and have this conversation. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Mike. Click on the link below and go to beyondthebears.tv. There, you can sign in to watch the rest of the episodes for free, as well as all the episodes of the show. Otherwise, make sure you share this episode with at least one man you think will enjoy or benefit from it. Now, go out into your own life and start having these more meaningful conversations. 
ask for help. Ask a mate how he's really doing. Or if he just wants to have a real conversation and go beyond the beers.